a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Welcome back to Inside Sources. I'm Jason Perry with the Hinckley Institute of Politics. I'm Morgan Mayankati, also with the Hinckley Institute. Well, Morgan, I'm so happy to have our next guest with us. I guess over the last year and a few months during the pandemic, I've had a chance to sit in every single week with all the experts at the University of Utah who are responsible for not just the response to COVID, but particularly about vaccinations. Every meeting, Dr. Richard Orlandi stands out. He's just absolutely brilliant. He's been responsible for so much of the good that's happened from the University of Utah, uh, particularly. Dr. Orlandi, th- thank you for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. And thanks for your kind comments, Jason. Well, just so glad to have you. Of course, uh, you're the chief medical officer for ambulatory health at the University of Utah. So many other responsibilities. Uh, but particularly, I want to talk today about vaccinations in the state of Utah. Maybe take a second and tell us how we're doing. Uh, percentages, just where are we? I think we're doing well. We'd obviously like to be doing better. Um, and so, you know, we're seeing that a significant number of people are have gotten their first vaccine um, and have gotten where there's two doses, as in most vaccines, that second dose. Um, but we are concerned that things are beginning to slow down, have been, have been slowing down really since April, and we may be hitting a plateau. And so um, as a state and as healthcare organizations, we're looking at maybe other options for encouraging people to be vaccinated and making it easier for them. Dr. Orlandi, we know that Utah's not the only place where this is happening, and we're seeing other states are doing some uh, some pretty enticing incentives. We, Ohio and California have up to $1 million or $1.5 million lottery prizes for people who get vaccinated. Of course, you can get your Krispy Kreme donut or your, uh, your Anheuser-Busch beer. What is Utah doing to try to incentivize this, or what is the U of U doing to try to you know, reach out to individuals and communities to get them vaccinated? Yeah, it's, it's great to see different people's approach to, to really uh, addressing this problem. I think for the state of Utah, um, what we're seeing is really making it easier, not only for people to get vaccinated, but then also where is that happening? We've done these mass vaccination sites um, throughout the state and the University of Utah and other healthcare organizations have participated in that. We're really trying now to take it into, a, into the doctor's office and into office so that people can overcome any questions or concerns they have, address any hesitancy they may have. You know, there are definitely people that are on the fence who are saying, hey, you know, maybe in another few weeks, I've got some concerns, I'm busy this week. Um, And I think that's where enticements can kind of take someone who's, you know, on the fence and nudge them off the edge a little bit. I think the state is looking at those sorts of like giveaways, um, you know, uh, and I've heard about Super Bowl tickets. I've heard about a lot of different ideas, and I think that that would be fun. I think the, the fun part about looking at something like that and the reality is, uh, you know, the, the reality is you probably would uh, have a better chance of uh, getting a, a Super Bowl ticket or a whatever uh, in a lottery than you would be with the complications that sometimes stop people from wanting to have these. And so 
all kidding aside, the, the odds are so small uh, that that may actually work to nudge people one way or the other. I thought it was so interesting. You start looking at some of these creative other states. O- Ohio, that was the catchy one. The backs a million, one million dollars to some lottery winners there. You know, I, I, the governor said something kind of like this of Ohio. Is like, uh, what the money is completely worth another ten to fifteen percent. People, of course, we don't have these lotteries in Utah. I would have thought the Krispy Kreme would do it. Probably did. Utahns do love our sweets. <laughs> I think that there's a lot of things that would entice people. And um, all kidding aside, it, it, it's, it's, you know, we don't want to trivialize this. But at the same time, there are people that are really close to wanting to do this and just need a little bit more encouragement, a little, uh, just a little nudge. Uh, and um, whether that's with information or maybe it's just a little bit of a nudge with encouragement, um, whatever we can do to get our, our community uh, safer from this virus is, a, is money very well spent. So, Dr. Orlandi, uh, tell us how this is going to work based on what you just said, too, because, you know, some of it is just just making it just so amazingly convenient, too, for people who might just need that as well. So how, how do you foresee this going into the future? Is this going to be the kind of thing people could just go in and j- just like getting your flu shot or something else like that? Or is, are we getting to that point? Jason, we are headed in that direction. I think we will soon be at that point. I think that the mass vaccination sites worked great for the large majority of people who wanted to get vaccinated. But now as people have questions, um, they're, they're getting you know, information from different sources about what may or may not be uh, true about the vaccine. But unfortunately, that information's out there. And we, we think that really making it possible for people to talk to a trusted source of information from their doctor, from their health care provider, and then have that vaccine immediately available to that patient. Um, so they're ready to go, and, and we're ready to, to make it easy for them. That's what we're doing at University of Utah Health. It's the state is encouraging that, really, with all health care providers uh, across the state. And I think all of us are following that direction. I think, you know, making it easy for someone when they go to the pharmacy, when they go to the grocery store, when they go to a sporting venue. I think all of these are ideas that people are looking at um, to just make it so easy for people to to take this step toward their health. So, Dr. Orlandi, if you, you know, if you were in that one on one appointment with a patient and they were feeling vaccine hesitant, what what do you say to them? What or, or what do even us as individuals, if we have a family member or a friend who's just a little nervous, they're on the fence. What advice do you have? I think it's really important to acknowledge the fear and the anxiety, the stress, the concern that people have. I think that, you know, we're, we're really unlikely to change someone's mind by arguing, right? And so acknowledging the concerns that they have, and, and this occurs in my own family, uh, and, and encouraging loved ones to really get information from reputable sources that are based in science, people that have the best of intentions, healthcare professionals, and then really to calmly think through the risks to themselves. Some of this is... You know, we, we, I'll give you an example. We really worry, people really get nervous about flying on an airplane because it's an unusual thing. We don't do it every day. But we don't get worried about driving down I-15. But our risks are so much smaller on an airplane than they are on I-15. We don't think of it that way because it's not a common thing that we do. And a vaccine like this, same thing. It's an uncommon thing. So we tend to over-dramatize the risks in our minds. And I think just helping people calmly say, hey, listen, Let's make a rational, informed decision about this. Let's talk it out. Let's talk about your fears of infertility. And, and just there's really no evidence at all, but that's just been bandied about so much. There's no evidence at all. Let's talk about how your DNA, you're concerned your DNA might get changed. That's not how messenger RNA vaccines work. That's not even possible. Let's talk through that. Um, that's the conversation I would have as either a, a healthcare provider or a loved one 
of someone. Um, and, you know, that we can also talk about why it's important for all of us to get vaccinated. You know, it's not an individual. De- it, it's an individual decision, and we respect that. But the impact is not just for that individual. There are lots of people who would like to get the vaccine, who can't for whatever healthcare reason, or who've gotten the vaccine but don't respond to it because they have a problem with their immune system. And they're at risk then, um, people who we care about in our community, people who have had organ transplantations, bone marrow transplantations, are getting chemotherapy for cancer. These are vulnerable members of our community. And my actions as an individual, whether I choose to be vaccinated or not, could be a life or death decision for that individual. That's who we are as Utahns. We care about one another. And I think if we can start having those conversations, then we can maybe hopefully change people's minds. Well, it certainly seems like that's one of the messages that came from our own governor, Governor Cox, over the the last little while, too, is, I mean, you you can talk about incentives all you want, but at at the heart of it, part of this is just us as members of a community becoming engaged. And Dr. Orlandi, you have been one of those individuals. I got, I got to tell you, I, I, everyone sh- should have a chance to get to know you because you've done so much good over this last year. Thank you so much for all you're doing. You have done and what you continue to do. Thank you, Jason. Thank you for this opportunity to speak to you and your listeners. Yeah, thank you. Well, stay with us. When we come back, we're going to just go straight into politics as if we weren't already doing that too. Talk about Senate races and so much more. Stay with us. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.